all doing okay? Well, we've got a special Sunday this Sunday, and it's a guest Sunday where we've just as a church invited a whole load of people who wouldn't normally come to church to come. And I don't know what you'd do if you were speaking, but what I want to do is actually just think about what deep spiritual truths we can draw from the Rugby World Cup. So uh, if I can have my first slide up, that would be wonderful. And uh, hands up if you're into the Rugby World Cup. So there's, there's, that's what I expected. Lots of people, not everyone, but lots of people are. I actually have dual nationality, so I am uh, a Kiwi. I'm also English. So I've been supporting the All Blacks and England, of course. And I found last night a bit gutting. I don't know about you. It was a bit gutting, wasn't it? Should they have gone for the kick to the corner or should they have gone for the conversion? What do you think? Kick to the corner? Oh, yeah. Okay, conversion. Okay, I think we're settled on that one. So, um, yes, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's a lot of rugby to go. Who knows who's going to win? Now, um, in attempting to draw some deep spiritual truths from the Rugby World Cup, I'm feeling a bit nervous because I was, when I was living in New Zealand, walking with my three-year-old son uh, through a park in New Zealand. Obviously, there was a game of rugby going on. There always is in New Zealand. And he was asking me about it. And I, I tried to explain the game of rugby to him. And so I talked about the posts, either end, the two teams in different colors. I talked about the odd-shaped ball and um, how you have to pass backwards and how you get a try and rucks and mauls and scrums and line-outs. And it went on for about an hour and a half till the game ended. And I said to him, uh, do you think you've got it? And he said, yeah, I really think I've got it. Thanks, thanks Dad. Those guys are fighting over a chocolate bar, aren't they? <laughs> Great. So um, I'm feeling slightly nervous. But here's the first thing I want to say. You'll see from this next slide. For many people, um, actually on the next slide, uh, they compare life to a game. Uh, often people say life is a bit of a game. And actually, Mother Teresa apparently said, life's a game, play it. Which I, I don't know whether she really said that, but that's what the internet says. It seems a strange thing to say for a sort of Roman Catholic sister, but there you go. And uh, actually, you know, life is like a game, uh, is like a game of rugby in the sense of can be a source of great fun and pleasure. Don't know whether you've been in a rugby team or any team, but actually, you meet some great people, you have a lot of fun doing stuff together, scoring tries. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful source of joy and pleasure. And, uh, you know, life can be like that. Also, though, we know that life can be quite challenging, can't it? Life actually can be quite challenging. And uh, actually, a game of rugby is quite challenging. And, uh, you know, in our personal lives, often our opponents look pretty big, don't they? And uh, often uh, we end up in rucks and malls, we get injuries, and even uh, we can feel like we've been dropped from the team uh, sometimes in life. We have these good seasons, and we have these challenging seasons. And, um, you know, these, these challenging seasons often don't last just a, a half of 45 minutes or whatever it is. Actually, they can go on for a long time. I tell you that because when we catch up with this story of the disciples, these are Jesus' followers. He had 12 close guys who followed him. They were, they were normal guys. They uh, were regular people doing a regular job in, the, in their time, which was fishermen. Uh, they were sort of trying to provide for their families, pay for the mortgage, so to speak. 
And they met Jesus, and uh, they were blown away by this person of Jesus. I don't know what you make of Jesus, but um, they were quite impressed with Jesus, and he invited them to follow him, these 12 guys. He called them over a time, and uh, they followed him for about three years. They saw him do extraordinary things, things that were absolutely amazing. And then just before this conversation, he said to them, hey, guys, um, I'm actually going away. You've followed me for three years. I'm actually going away now. And uh, actually, they're in one of those seasons of life where it's challenging. And actually, they're quite distraught. So he's, he's trying to reassure them. And he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that you can be where I am and you know the place where I'm going. So Jesus is saying to these, these guys who followed him, who are a bit distraught that he's, said he's going, to actually say, look, I'm going ahead of you. I'm going somewhere better. Don't worry, I'm coming back and I'm gonna take you there to be with me. So let me ask you as we kick off, so to speak, boom, boom, how is your life going? What season of life are you in? Are you feeling you're winning? Are you feeling you're losing? Are you feeling the opposition is actually just a bit too big right now? How are you feeling in your life at the moment? The second thing I want to suggest is that... Life is like rugby because actually I think we all want to win the game of life. We want to win uh, the game of life. You'll see this on this uh, next slide. And you know, rugby players want to win, don't they? Rugby players want to win. If, um, you know, Chris Robshaw, the England captain, in an interview said, you know, it's not really about the winning or losing. It's just so lovely being with all these other teams. And, um, you know, it's just a pleasure being on the field. And I don't really care if we win or lose. I mean, it's just lovely running around the park in Twickenham. We'd slightly be thinking, uh, Chris, focus man, um, you know, really, should you be the captain? Because we, we want to win in life, don't we? We want to win. I'm not suggesting we're all Taipei international athletes who train and uh, we want to win at all costs and we're going to take out... Uh, the opposition. But what I'm suggesting is we want to flourish in life. We want to just flourish, don't we? Uh, and win in life in the sense of we want to do well. So hands up. Let me try and prove my point. Hands up if you really want to lose in life. Oh, look, there's no one. What about, do you want to have a mediocre life? Oh, there's no one. Uh, do you want to be a sort of average, substandard mum or dad? Uh, there's one there. Um, there's always one. Uh, <laughs> uh, hands up if you want to have a sort of really boring job and slightly unfulfilling career. And what about... Uh, you've, I've made the point, haven't I? We want to try and flourish in life. We want to try and win in life. And, you know, rugby teams spend a huge amount of time analysing how they can win. Um, I studied some of the all-black stuff. I've looked at the England stuff. They have, they have huge teams of people trying to work out how to win, how to help them think, how to help them kick, how to help them tackle, how to help them eat well, uh, how to work out what the opposition's doing. They employ people to actually watch videos of particular players in particular positions. So they, you know, they go crazy to try and work out how to win. And here's the thing. 
I want to suggest, actually, that um, often we kind of do the same. We kind of think uh, we have a, a view on how we can do well in life and win, even if it's subconscious. So it, it might not be that we sort of study this actively. Would you come for a drink tonight? No, thanks. I'm going um, to go and study how I can win in my life. Um, but actually, we often have tactics, don't we? And we have a playbook. This is what rugby teams have. They have a playbook of strategies to how they can approach a game to win. And often we've convictions, even if we don't realize it, about how we can win uh, in life. And I want to just unpack this. Think about playbooks, uh, different playbooks we might come across for how we can win in life. Now, I don't know uh, if this you'll agree with this or not, but actually... Um, sociologists and philosophers say, if you want to work out how to win in life or what your strategy is, you need to answer four questions. You've got to answer these four questions. And uh, they'll come up on the screen, hopefully, these four questions. And here we go. These are the four questions. Question one, where have I come from? Question two, where can I find the truth? Question three, how can I find happiness? And question four, what is my destiny? So if you want to actually approach life well and flourish, philosophers over the ages have said these questions are essential. Where, where have I come from? Where can I find the truth? How can I find happiness? And what is my destiny? And uh, I want to suggest this morning there are lots of different playbooks, uh, approaches to life, that people have adopted. And there's an atheistic playbook, a postmodern playbook, an animist playbook, and a Christian playbook. And I want to just look at these in turn. Does that sound like a good plan? Why don't we just turn to the person next to us and tell them how we're feeling so far and whether we're ready to look at these four exciting playbooks. Yeah? Whether we're on the edge of our seats. Okay, you're all looking incredibly eager. So what we're going to do is do the atheistic playbook, worldview, strategies for living well, okay? And I want to just see how each of these things answer those four questions. So hopefully that's clear. So here's the thing. The atheistic playbook says this. Where have I come from? Uh, the atheistic playbook says, look, there's no God the world was created by the Big Bang, which was a cosmic accident. So you and me, we're here by random chance. We're a collection of atoms, a collection of chemicals. And actually, life is just random. And uh, there's no creator. And with chemicals, we've got to get used to this. You may have heard of Richard Dawkins. He said this, DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. We're just chemicals, we're just DNA, and we just do what the DNA tells us to. So don't get hung up on where you've come from or some deeper meaning to life. You're just a collection of random atoms uh, and chemicals. Where can I find the truth? Well, the atheistic playbook says, actually, in light of that, if you want to find the truth, if you want to learn how to live really well and flourish, you need to turn to science and human reason. Uh, basically, uh, only trust what can be proved in a, in a test tube. Uh, science is really reliable. It has the answers for everything. Uh, it's obviously based on these modernistic um, assumptions around uh, what's reliable. And actually, only, only what you can prove in a test tube should you really, really um, 
based your life on and trust. Everything else is fluff, quite frankly. It's a flaky. How can I find happiness? Well, the atheistic playbook says in pursuing fulfillment, you know, just go for it, make the best of what your DNA is giving you, have lots of fun, um, you know, have a great life, go for it, and also procreate. Make sure you have children if you can, because then you'll ensure the continuation of the species. And kind of that's, that's what you should do. And uh, what about what is my destiny? Atheism basically says, look, actually, you have no destiny beyond your lifespan. You know, when your number's up, your number's up, dead, gone, buried. Don't be depressed by that. That's just the way life is, okay? That's atheism. And uh, I don't know about you, whether you relate to that or not. I used to be an atheist. I used to relate to that. I very much didn't think there was a God. I very much thought we're just here. It's just a random thing, life. It's a chemical thing. And I was very happy with that. When your number's up, your number's up. I didn't care if I was hit by a bus. I remember thinking when I was 19, I don't care if I, if I die tomorrow. My time will come when my time will come. So, that's atheism, okay? Just turn very briefly to the person next to you. What do you think of that? Atheistic worldview, what do you think? Should we move on? Next slide, yeah. Okay, that's atheism. I don't know whether you're adopting that strategy for your life at the moment, whether that's your playbook, that's your strategy on your life. I want to look at the next one very quickly, postmodernism. Um, as you know, postmodernism, this is the period in which we're kind of moving more and more into questions that modern confidence in science, in man's ability to reason and figure things out. And actually, the underlying assumption of the Enlightenment Enlightenment and modernism's confidence that as we get more civilized, we get better and better and better. Uh, we sort out our problems. We can deal with the refugee crisis. We don't have wars, all this sort of stuff. And uh, basically, it challenges that. So what does a postmodernism worldview say about where we come from? Kind of says, who knows? You know, life's a bit of a mystery. Uh, it's a bit of a thing you can just make up your own collage, tell your own story. It's, it's just a mystery. It's, it's, just, it's just wonderful. Who knows what it is? Don't worry about it. Where can I find truth? The postmodern playbook says, well, actually, truth is relative. There's no objective truth. There's not such a thing as truth that you can, that you can discover and, and base your life upon. Truth is what's true for you, and it's what's true for me, and, and you, you discover it within yourself, and you kind of come up with your own truth, and it's important that we tolerate other people's truth, okay? How can I find happiness? The postmodern playbook says, in finding yourself, basically, it's quite experiential, this life. Just go for hedonism, go for pleasure, hashtag YOLO, and um, basically, just enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment. And in terms of destiny, actually, don't worry about it, it's miles off, just live now, it's all about now, today, just live, live in the moment, have fun, experience it, just experience this, this life that we've got, doesn't really matter, just get an iPhone, the latest one, get the latest car, uh, you know, get your clothes from John Lewis, if you think you're trendy, go to Superdry or Jack Wills and just go for holidays in North Devon and yo, it's fine, don't worry about it, it's too complicated. 
I don't know what you make of that, but actually I've been, that's been me. I went from atheism into that, and uh, I did the whole hedonism thing big time. I did the whole life's too mysterious uh, big time, and uh, I, I just had that sort of, I'm going to pick a mix and make my own thing up. I don't, you know, and actually, oh, don't, I'll, I'll respect you, you respect me, and all that sort of stuff. Turn to the person next to you, what do you make of that approach? The postmodern approach, which is where you see it, you see it all the time now in TV and stuff. Okay, we're moving on. Are we enjoying this little journey so far? Okay, we're moving on, okay? The next thing is what on the screen? Animism, it sounds strange, but this is the belief that all things have a spirit or a soul, animals, plants, trees, rivers, mountains, and um, actually uh, the, the spiritual realm, the spirits can either help us or harm us. And uh, basically, if that sounds quite primitive, doesn't it? Or you think, oh, I don't know about that. But actually, there's a lot of animism around today. And uh, I, know, I know quite a number of people who um, are into uh, crystals, are into quite new age things. Uh, Buddhism and some native Indian spirituality has some of this going on. Okay, so what would an animist playbook say to those questions? Where have I come from? It says, actually, you're very, very spiritual, and you come from the spiritual realm, because everything is spiritual. Secondly, where can I find the truth? Actually, by consulting the spirits or the spiritual realm. How can I find happiness? By keeping the spirits happy and appeasing them. What is my destiny? Your destiny is ongoing. It's all about the circle of life. The circle of life. And um, there's sort of reincarnation beliefs, that sort of thing. Do you know anyone who sort of is, is delving into that? Hands up. Quite a few people look around the room. So it sounds a bit strange, but it's out there. And if you go to Waterstones on the high street, you'll find more animistic books and worldviews than you will other religions, certainly, um, you know, the main Western religions. It's everywhere, this view of animism. So um, I don't know about you, but I, I actually got into animism. I went to atheism. I went, I'm still in postmodernism, so to speak, but I went to animism. And uh, basically, I thought, you know, I read this book called The, World Le uh, the Road Less Traveled. Uh, I don't know whether you read it by a guy called Scott Peck, I think his name was. And his premise in the book was, you know, we're human, we're material, we're physical, we're intellectual, we're emotional, but also we're spiritual. And if you want to win in the game of life, you have to get in touch with the spiritual as humans. So that set me on a spiritual journey. I did all sorts of new age stuff. I had a friend who was a Buddhist, uh, ran a Buddhist temple. I hang out with him. I quite like that. I had friends who were Baha'is. My favorite thing was this native Indian uh, drumming workshop I did, uh, which ended with a guy um, burning sage, sort of marking on our heads and brushing us down with the feathers of golden eagles. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. So what do you think of the animism worldview? That's actually very, it's out there. It's out there. You'll hear it at the school gates. You'll hear it uh, on the radio, in TV, in the latest films. What do you think? There's 30 seconds. What do you think of that view? Yeah. 
Okay, I'll take that as the, just starting the discussion's over. Should we do the next one? Here we go, Christianity. What's a Christian worldview or playbook? What does a Christian say about those four questions? Firstly, where have I come from? Actually, you're created by God. He's fashioned you, he's made you, you're precious, you've been designed. And uh, you've been created out of his love and power. All people have. Where can I find the truth? Actually, you know, the truth actually is found in a person. The person is Jesus Christ. He personifies the truth. And uh, as we've heard from that reading, he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. How can I find happiness? Well, actually, you find happiness ultimately, fulfillment, with relationship with God. And that's where you'll find it. There was a guy, I think in the third or fourth century called Augustine, he was a big church brain. He said, our hearts as humans are always restless until we find a relationship uh, with God. So that's where you'll ultimately find your fulfillment. There's, there's money, that's great. There's sex, that's great. There's great careers, that's wonderful. There's big houses, all those things are fine. But actually, ultimately, you find uh, happiness and fulfillment in God. Now, who watched Graham Norton on Friday night? Uh, just, uh, it was just two of us then. Uh, it, w- it was quite late. And <laughs> Graham was um, interviewing Matt Damon. And uh, Matt, this really inter- interesting interview with Matt Damon. And uh, Graham said to him, they were mucking around quite a lot. And then Graham said this to Matt Damon. He said, Matt, you won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, aged 27. What on earth was that like? What, what did you do the night you got it? And Matt said, I've never forgotten it. Uh, I actually went home. I was buzzing, because you can imagine what sort of an event it was. My girlfriend at the time, she went to bed. I sat there in a chair with my Oscar. And he said, it was unbelievable. I felt heartbroken and relieved. Heartbroken, because I suddenly realized that fame and money and Oscars wouldn't actually fill the big hole in my heart. And relieved, because I realized Thankfully, at 27, and I, wouldn't re- I haven't re- waited till I was 87 and wasted my life chasing it. So you see, it was a, everyone, there was silence. It was kind of like a, hmm. Okay, Matt, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> we find fulfillment in God. Where, what's my destiny, finally? The Bible sort of says Jesus' teaching uh, is that he can actually lead us Uh, into life and our destiny is with him Jesus says you know I want to lead you into life you come into relationship with me as odd as it sounds you have faith in me and uh, actually we develop a friendship a loving friendship of kindness and uh, 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 encouragement and actually when you die because I've actually died and defeated death I'm going to lead you on through death into eternal life with me into heaven which is this fulfilling uh, extraordinary place so that's, the, that's what Jesus says. Now, there are four playbooks. I don't know which one you're going for right now, but may I encourage you to work out your playbook? Uh, that's obviously between you uh, and yourself. Uh, it could be between you and God if you wanted it to be. But I want to just draw this to a close by asking a few questions. You see, 
God wants everyone on his team. He wants everyone actually on the pitch. He invites every person into this loving, satisfying, extraordinary relationship with him. He wants everyone to be with him uh, in eternity. And yet, not everyone decides to go onto the pitch. And why is that? I uh, decided not to go onto the pitch many, many years ago. I subsequently have decided to go onto the God pitch. But I want to just close by um, just recognizing very briefly a few issues people have uh, typically with God. First, uh, many have a problem with God's existence. Come on, Mike, did God really create the world? Isn't that a little far-fetched? I want to suggest very briefly this morning it's far less far-fetched than thinking it was a random cosmic accident. I would suggest that. Doesn't um, science and Christianity, uh, aren't they incompatible though? Um, Actually, no. Have you ever wondered why so many of the world's leading uh, scientists are committed Christians? It's odd, isn't it? Dr. Peter Hodgson, lecturer in nuclear physics at Oxford University said this, Christianity provides just those beliefs that are essential for science and the whole moral climate that encouraged its growth. The historian Henry Butterfield said this, science is a child of Christian thought. And the philosopher John uh, McMurray put it like this, science is the legitimate child of a great religious movement and its genealogy goes back to Jesus. So there's this sense that uh, people think, what is it, science uh, or faith? Actually, they're not incompatible. You can stand as the leading, many of them, Christians, leading global scientists holding both together. But surely the theory of evolution and the biblical accounts of creation, this idea that God created the world and people, what are you on about? Uh, Aren't aren't the Bible account and the scientific theory of evolution uh, irreconcilable? Well, no. The main point of Genesis 1, which tells this story, is that it doesn't answer the questions how and when, they're scientific questions, but the questions why and who, they're theological questions. And the Bible is not primarily a scientific book. Um, The scientific explanation does not prove or disprove the personal one, rather I suggest it's complementary. Even Stephen Hawking, arguably the most brilliant scientist of his generation, has actually admitted the limitations of science. Science is wonderful, it's amazing, it's done brilliant things, but it can't do everything. And uh, this is what Stephen Hawking said. Science may solve the problem of how the universe uh, began in one theory, but it cannot answer the question, why does the universe exist? Many people, though, just to draw to a close, have a problem with God's character. I used to, I thought, I don't want to get into the God's pitch. Why do I want to do that? The, the, uh, you know, the manager, if you like, of the team is pretty grim. He's probably going to ruin my life. He's like the Chelsea manager, for goodness sake. Why would you, why would you, <laughs> oh, that's probably, he'd probably like that comparison, wouldn't he? Um, but anyway, um, why, why, would you, why would you want to do that? Um, actually, Uh, God is actually amazing. He uh, says this, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is what God says. Not, I'm going to turn you into a weirdo, I'm going to stop everything that you really like in your life, and I'm actually going to really, I just really want to put you in the sin bin forever, not just for 10 minutes uh, with a yellow card when you do anything slightly wrong. So actually, God is out to flourish us, he's out to lead us into life, he's for us, not against us. And here's the thing, here's the thing, actually apart from him, you can never live a fully flourished human life. 
And uh, he says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So I suggest the stakes are high with the playbooks you choose. They say very, very different things. But actually, one of the weaknesses of comparing life to a game and to the Rugby World Cup is that, you know, what you do with your playbook, how you respond to God or not, actually is far more significant than who's going to lift the Weber Ellis Trophy uh, at the beginning of October. It actually is really, really significant for your life, for your family's life. So that's why we put this thing on called uh, Alpha. You've heard about it. It's a series of pretty relaxed evenings where we... Um, actually just explain some of the basics of Christianity uh, and we want to have great discussions uh, about life, about your playbooks, about what you think and uh, it's absolutely brilliant. I uh, would never used to be seen dead in a church. I went to Alpha very reluctantly 20 years ago and I found it really, really helpful because no one ran the Bible down my throat. No one made me feel guilty. They just said, hey Mike, how can we help? What, have you, what are your questions? And so I want to invite everyone here uh, to come and do Alpha. It starts, as you've heard, at the beginning of October. You've got the date on here. And uh, especially if you wouldn't sort of describe yourself as normally going to church or into spiritual things, I would, in light of the, the stakes, I'd uh, just encourage you to come along and uh, bring a friend. If you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go on my own, we'll just bring some other people with you. You'd be very, very welcome. And uh, we're having a dinner uh, this coming, is it Tuesday or Wednesday night? I can't remember. Tuesday night, and just come along. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for your time. It's lovely to be with you.